It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your gracious host, Scott Connor. You can find me on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. Everything Destination Devi at patreon.com slash all gas. Shout out to the Heisman tier. We got our Heroes versus Villains Relegation League. Started it a week ago. It is a full 32-round U.S. FFL-style auction. 36 team, three copies, three different auctions which will merge together when it is done uh, to where everybody can trade with each other. And essentially, the first year, it is just pure victory points. Uh, The bottom 12 teams get relegated starting in year two, where they'll play in essentially two separate leagues within the same league uh, to vie for either a money pot or a relegation pool where you get promoted back up to the top tier league. So it's been fun. Uh, The big twist in these USFFL auctions is the first nine rounds are different positions, and there's only 12 players up at one time. Uh, You can only win two players per round. So with that, there is extreme strategy in understanding the timing of the board, the timing of the bids, uh, but also building your team, given that it is random for the first nine rounds because it could be a quarterback round a tight end round. We ended up doing two quarterback rounds, two tight end rounds, two running back rounds, and three wide receiver rounds. The remaining 23 rounds will be wild cards, where you can put up anybody you want, any position for 23 straight days. The same parameters apply. You can only win two players per round. Uh, And the big twist is you must win at least 18 players, uh, and you cannot win more than 40. So there's a sweet spot As to how you want to budget your money, $1,000, you cannot trade auction dollars. So that is the one rub. You cannot trade auction dollars. Uh, But it's pretty cool because there are constraints that you typically don't see in most auctions, which is why it makes auction content so hard to produce. So shout out to everybody over in Heisman that has been working on that over the last week. We've seen some extreme team builds already start to form. I haven't really seen any trades yet, but I'm hoping that that may change here going forward. Uh, And it's the inspiration for this show. Um, Unfortunately, I had some very uh, sad news that happened in my personal life uh, this past week, uh, Thursday night, and it's kind of affected me to the point where I didn't really have uh, an awesome idea for this week's show. But with that, I've been kind of sitting around all weekend looking at this auction, and it inspired a show that I wanted to put together and just kind of talk through some basic strategy and theory tonight. Only going to be about a half hour, but I wanted to kind of talk through something that you can apply to your existing dynasty leagues. It's not just in a startup. Obviously, in a startup, there's a whole new layer of it because you're starting from scratch. Uh, But it's something that you can apply in your existing leagues by using tools such as the Warp tool, or more importantly, a tool like Dynasty Daddy, where you can go through and kind of look at where the teams are distributed in terms of their strengths, their weaknesses, their overall assets, uh, kind of figure out what direction you want to go. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, looking for ways to kind of read the landscape of your league, figuring out what the values of maybe pivoting in a different direction or heading in a different direction based on what your individual league looks like. You can go back and listen to all of the content talking about, okay, this is the optimal roster construction. These are the optimal types of trades. You can throw around that word optimal, optimal, optimal until you get into your individual league 
and you start throwing in little twists and nuances. And then it's like, you know what? Maybe I will go the other way because of how the other 11 managers in this league are playing. And I think it's important. It's a skill we don't talk about enough in Dynasty is being able to read that, understand it, decipher it pretty quickly. Even when you first take over a team, let's say you join a league that's already been going on for a year or two. You need to be able to read the layout of that league. Read the landscape of that league. Where are the assets distributed? How many good teams are there? How many bad teams are there? What are the directions of all the teams? Then you base your strategy. You don't just say, okay, I know this type of format. If I take over a team that's in the middle, here's my strategy. But maybe that isn't the optimal strategy once you get in there and you realize where the distribution of all the assets and where all the other teams stand. Maybe you want to go a little bit of a different direction. So that's what tonight's show is going to be about, ways you can do that in existing leagues. I do want to plug a couple other things before we get started. Uh, Patreon.com slash Dynasty and Chill. I will have an episode this Thursday night, 7 p.m. Uh, I will have Tommy Blair coming on. Uh, how to defeat the portfolio player. So that is specially on YouTube, on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dynasty and Chill. If you are a member of the Heisman group, um, I will also post the link in there for everybody in Heisman to listen in. But I think that will be a cool discussion with Tommy talking about how to defeat a portfolio player. So of course... I'm naturally attracted to that type of discussion, given that I'm a portfolio player. I want to learn from him. I want to hear, you know, kind of what he has to say as strategies he can combat somebody uh, that's playing with the portfolio. And then finally, uh, check out Trades in 5. I just mentioned Dynasty Daddy. Trades in 5 is now partnered with Dynasty Daddy. Uh, So check out our Trades in 5 live stream. Uh, Again, coming up tomorrow, Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be going live again on YouTube, answering your Dynasty trades and talking Dynasty strategy. So now to tonight's featured topic. And as I said, we're going to try to figure out ways to go a little bit deeper in your leagues. And I think it starts with being able to get a read on not just your league. So it's not just about how many teams are quote-unquote win now, how many teams are tanking, It's more about the distribution of the assets in your league. So obviously, you know your individual league. So I would say to follow along with this exercise, pick a league. And I'm going to do that. I'm not going to really talk about my individual league for purposes of this show. Uh, That's for a different show. Maybe we can cover that another time going into specific examples. Uh, But for this, I think the biggest thing to kind of figure out is understanding where you stand in your league, but also understanding the distribution of the assets in your league as it stands. Obviously, when you're going into a brand new league, so let's say you've decided I'm going to do a startup draft. So I'm going to do a startup draft. Everyone is starting at zero. Nobody has any assets. Everybody has future picks, which at this point are completely ambiguous. They don't have numbers attached to them. They don't have, this is a good team. This is a bad team. Uh, None of that exists before you get started. But then you start getting into the weeds of the startup. And maybe you have a couple teams that trade away their picks. Maybe you have a couple teams uh, that you can clearly tell are punting. They trade back, they trade back, they're accumulating value, accumulating value. You can start to get a quick read on the room as to where the assets are distributed. Now, in a startup, especially a snake startup, which is why this auction draft that we're doing is so fascinating, there is no governor. There is no floor. There is no guarantee that the assets are going to be distributed pretty much fairly. And when I say that, even in a snake draft, you may have a couple bad trades. You may have a trade where somebody gives up the farm for one player. You may have a trade where one team just constantly is taking advantage of other managers. They're getting multiple picks, multiple assets uh, for spots where essentially they're just leveraging to trade back or trade down. 
But for the most part in a snake draft, if you get into a snake draft with 11 other pragmatic managers that do have some strategy, generally you're going to leave with a pretty decent distribution of assets across the board. Meaning you're not going to have a super team that's born just out of a snake draft, and you're probably not going to have a team that's completely gutted unless they do it intentionally. So the gap between the haves and the have-nots is not going to be as wide. Now, that's not the case when you get into an existing league that might have been around for three or four years. And so that's where the difference between, okay, one league may have truly the haves and have-nots. You have 60% of the top-tier assets parked on three teams. And then in another league, you may have all of the elite assets spread out. You know, 12 teams of the 12 teams in the league, each one of them might have a top 20 asset. Each one of them has two top 40 assets. Each one of them has at least a second or third round pick. If not, they have an extra first or they have at least their own picks that they started with. So there isn't so much the haves and have nots in a league that's just coming out of a startup draft. Now, those leagues could be exactly the same. They could both be a 12-team super flex, start 11, 30-man rosters, this tight end premium, this point per carry, whatever. It doesn't matter. But they could be the exact format for each league. It could be exactly the same. But then you look at the distribution of the assets and you say, you know what? One of them, it's all over the place. One of them, there's massive, massive top-heavy teams. And in this league, it just started. So it's really pretty balanced. I'm not really sure I'm comfortable picking a sheer extreme direction in this one, where in the other one, I might not have a choice. So think about it. Each league is its own puzzle. It's a thousand piece puzzle. And where are those pieces distributed? And I think that's key just to use that visual in your head. Look at my league. Where are those assets distributed across the league? That should sway part of your strategy. And I use Dynasty Daddy. This is the main thing that I use Dynasty Daddy for. I will go in I will plug my team in. They support Sleeper. They support MFL. They support Flea Flicker. They support ESPN. So if you play on those platforms, you can plug in your information, whether you sync your login name with MFL, put in your Sleeper ID or your League ID uh, on Sleeper, and you can pull up your league that way. But then you look at the distribution of assets in your league. Now, I did a show on my Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Dynasty and Chill, with Jeremy, the creator of Dynasty Daddy. He talked about some of the things that the site doesn't have. Uh, it's not great at factoring in like tight end premium yet. Uh, but again, you're able to kind of figure out the distribution of assets. It's not going to necessarily sort specifically about your format. So in certain formats, you're going to see where probably wide receiver is a little overvalued. Uh, quarterback might be a little undervalued in certain formats, depending on the scarcity. But for the most part, you can look at the distribution of the assets and you can say, okay, in my league, when I pull it up, I pull up a specific league here where it shows that there are three contending teams out of 12. So this is a 12-team super flex start 11, point per carry, tight end premium. I believe it's like 1.85 when you factor in the yardage and the first downs. But you look at there's three contenders in this league. Then there's three teams that are labeled as frauds. And then there's one team at the bottom that is labeled as a trust the process. Then there's five teams in the middle that are labeled as frisky. So you can see contender, frisky, fraud, and trust the process. There's little taglines as to what teams are classified as on Dynasty Daddy. But then you look a little bit deeper and you go, okay, well, there's three contenders. They grade each contender by their overall roster rank. So that is just simply the sheer number of, I believe it uses keep trade cut, the sheer number of like keep trade cut points. And even if it's something different, I know he talked about using 
kind of his own tiers or his own values or rankings at some point. But regardless, overall rank is literally just how much sheer value do you have on your team. Doesn't factor in how many players you have to start. It's literally sheer value on your team. So if you just accumulated a ton of valuable players, your overall rank or your overall value would be the highest. Then you can look at each position's starter breakdown. So how much value do you have put into your starters? And it will adjust the starting lineup to literally whatever your starting lineup settings, it'll adjust to what would you optimally start. And then you pick out the most valuable players based on this, what would fit in your starting lineup. So you have starter rank. Then you have each position rank. Now, each position rank, again, ranks on the aggregate. So if you have four starting quarterbacks, that's going to end up being a little bit better than a team that has the two best quarterbacks, just based on sheer volume, depending on who the names were and how much value they add up to. So you can look at that and you can kind of do like a trio. You can look at where they fall from a tier perspective. That just gives you who are the haves, who are the have-nots, who are the teams in the middle. Just a really, really high-level look at how the distribution is in your league. Then you look at the overall rank. Who has the most value on their team? That also includes the draft pick rank, so it does sort by draft rank as well. And all of that rolls up to the overall rank. So who are the most valuable teams in the league, right? Then you can look individually at the positions, not only the starter rank, but each position. And then I usually click on each position just to figure out, okay, for instance, in this league, it has me as running back room six. Now, do I have the six best running back room? No, I don't. But I have a ton of running backs. And it's a point per carry league. So I'm literally rostering over 20 running backs in this league because I have really extreme roster construction for the format. So it actually has my running back rank as six. Now, that's overall rank six. I wouldn't say my running back room is top six. There are a couple teams in here that have clear better pairs of running backs than me. And then if you look at just the number of usable running backs, they probably have a little bit higher quality. But I'm still in the top six just because I have so many running backs that are between like 1,000 and 2,000 points on this chart. Now, can I start all of those guys? No, but that's where the roster construction comes in. I'm purposely constructed that way because I know as long as I can get by with just having enough running backs here, I'm going to win with my other positions, which are extremely strong at wide receiver, extremely strong at quarterback. I have Travis Kelsey at tight end. So really, I'm looking at my running back room going, I'm fine if it's six because everything else is in the top three. And then my draft capital rank is in the top three because I've accumulated some future picks. So you can kind of look at the distribution and say, okay, the team is built the way that I want. So then I look at the other teams in the league and I will look at, okay, who are the other contenders? And then who are the frauds? And you can clearly spot the frauds or the trust the process teams. Uh, The trinity that I look for on Dynasty Daddy is if I see a team that is a fraud or a trust the process, I will then go look at their starter rank and I'll look at their quarterback rank. And both of those kind of give me an indication of what I know to be the most important in most formats. If the starter rank is low, the quarterback rank is low, and they're in the fraud category, that's probably the team that has no business considering trading their pick. Now, on the other hand, if two of those three are low, meaning if they're a fraud, but they also have a couple good quarterbacks, but then their starter rank is really low, okay, I know they're probably betting on those two elite quarterbacks carrying them a certain amount. So maybe I'm willing to bet on those teams. I think most importantly, as you look at the frisky teams in the middle, and in this league, there happen to be five frisky teams, which are the ones I want to bet against. All of the frisky teams typically are sitting in the middle, usually in terms of overall value or starter rank. But in this case, there's a frisky team. They are ranked eighth in terms of their starter rank, 10th in terms of their quarterback rank, but they're in the frisky category. 
So then I kind of go, okay, what is making up that team? So then I look a little bit deeper. They're relying on a lot of older players. Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Debo Samuel. They're relying on a lot of older players to continue to produce. That's probably how you can spot a team that might be a little bit volatile. That is the team I would be willing to go, you know what? If I could reasonably, at a good price, get their future first, that might be one where I'm willing to kind of overpay a little bit in terms of an asset that really doesn't mean a lot to me. Like, I look at that individual roster, and their wide receiver three is Alan Lazard. So I'm looking at that going, okay, is there anything I can potentially trade to them to get their future first? Look at my roster. I have Jerry Judy. I have Deontay Johnson. I have Jordan Addison. Those might be three players where I go, you know what? It might make sense, especially if I have a massive need at quarterback or I have a massive need to maybe upgrade a higher end position player next year. That's a spot where I can take a gamble that that pick ends up top four, top five, hopefully higher. But if I just subject myself to getting inside that top five, a non-playoff pick, it's probably a smash deal if you're trading away a wide receiver that I mentioned. So this is a really good way to kind of figure out what teams do I want to attack. I've done prior shows on that is, I think, one of the bigger edges right now is using some of these tools that are kind of helping you figure out the distribution of teams in your league and finding those teams that are, I don't even want to say they're bad. They're the teams that may look like, or the person could look at their team, they could go in, they could submit their lineup, and they go, you know what, I'm feeling good going into this season. But then you really look and you go, you know what, the frame on this house is pretty, pretty fragile. It's not that sturdy. You know, one or two things goes wrong. This team may not have the assets or the ability to roster construct around bailing themselves out. So all of a sudden, the team that thinks they are a wide receiver away, and I think that's a fallacy. You are never a Jerry Judy or a DJ Moore or a Brandon Ayuk away from being a contender. If you think you need to fill in a player like that to contend, then you're probably not a contender. You don't have a business trading away uh, your 2024 or a future first round pick. But nonetheless, those are the teams that may say, you know what, if I get one more piece, I go to set my lineup, it's pretty strong. I have an elite quarterback. Maybe I have an elite tight end. Maybe I have three or four other pieces that I could see producing in a short window, extremely high. Guys like Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry. Like you see a lot of teams that have a couple of those guys and they're looking going, I'm a win now team. You know, I got to make that win now move. Now, if they're smart, they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to hold on to my pick, make sure that volatility doesn't bite me in the ass before the season even gets going, then I'll determine if I want to move my pick. But sometimes people aren't that patient, and those are the teams. That is one of the exercises you want to do over the next couple months, is see if you can find deals where you may have to give up a one-for-one. You're not going to probably get leverage trades where you're trading away a player like this for a future first. But there are kind of flat spots or dead spots, especially if you have a pretty good team where you can kind of trade from your excess. Say Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, DJ Moore. That's your wide receiver four, five, six. Like I talked about it last week's show. Those are probably players you can afford to trade if you can make a strong bet on one of those picks and just slide somebody else on your bench into that spot. But bigger picture, I want to talk about how to read the overall distribution of your league and kind of how I see that and how that may change my strategy of how I'm going to build my team going forward. So that'll be the last 10, 15 minutes of the show. And before we get there, as always, let's hear from Underdog Fantasy. Destination Dynasty is now sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. I'm gearing up for Underdog's Fantasy season-long best ball contest. It's a great way to put your best ball skills to the test against me and everyone else at the Destination Debbie team. The best part? 
If you use promo code CHILL when you sign up, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to $100. And if you deposit $10, you'll get access to strategize with us in the Destination Debbie Discord, where you can get additional stats, tips, and much, much more to dominate your drafts. What are you waiting for? Head over to underdogfantasy.com, sign up, Again, use promo code CHILL to get a 100% deposit match up to $100 and deposit your $10 to get access to the Destination Debbie Discord. Back to the show. Welcome back. So for the final 10 minutes of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the distribution of assets in your league. I kind of already talked through how to decipher looking at one of these sites. Uh, I use Dynasty Daddy, but quite frankly, there are many others out there that can kind of help you do this. Uh, Some paid, some free. But there's many that can help you achieve this same type of thing. Really, you want to look for one of these sites that will allow you to sync to some sort of value adjustment. So sync to keep trade cut or sync to somebody's ADP. Maybe they have an internal, maybe they have their own internal rankings, but something that allows you to kind of view the entire dynasty player pool or asset landscape Uh, in one scope. Then you can kind of look at where your team is. And I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this is let's say you pull up a league and you are one of the teams that's stuck in the middle. And let's just say, for instance, I am the team that I was mentioning earlier, a couple minutes ago, about my team that was a contender in this league. And I looked at these few teams that were frisky, but you looked at their quarterback rank, you looked at their starter rank, you look at their draft capital rank, and they're really just middle of the pack. Like they really don't have a ton of overall assets and they're already in the middle of the pack range. And even in a group with four or five other teams that are similar, they're the ones that I would bet on the most not being good because they really don't have a lot of like draft capital to bail themselves out. They don't have a lot of young assets that can bail them out on like pivot trades if things go wrong. So clearly I'm one of these teams that's kind of identified myself as, you know what, I'm in the middle. Now, a lot of times you can get yourself out of the middle with a move or two. Maybe you trade a player, maybe you trade a pick. You can get yourself out of the middle. And I always preach in leagues, even if you're in the middle, if you just make the playoffs, obviously you want to get a first round buy. So you want to finish usually in the first two spots. But even if you don't, if you just make the playoffs, you have a shot. There are times where you go, you know what? I don't have anything to lose. Maybe you've traded away your future first already. You don't have anything to lose. You might as well kind of stay in the middle unless you think you can get to the bottom extremely quickly. And you can do it with the right type of assets. And a lot of times that includes having to go try to buy my first round pick back, making a couple leverage trades where you leverage off of a piece for maybe two pieces, you accumulate some extra value. Worst case scenario, you're still stuck kind of in the middle. Maybe you're not in the top two or three in terms of best draft pick, but you're still stuck in the middle, but you have different types of assets going into the next season. But let's say you've identified one of these leagues where, man, I'm in the middle, but there's already two or three teams that are at the extreme bottom. Meaning there's already two or three teams. They tanked for Brees Hall. They tanked for Bijan. They're tanking for Caleb Williams. And even if they didn't tank the last year or two, I've already seen many people go, I'm not trading that pick. I'm tanking for Caleb next year. Or even if I don't get Caleb, I'm getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Or I'm getting Drake May. Like I've already seen people that are positioning themselves very similar to what they did for Bijan. I'm already positioning myself to tank. And that's good. That's good information. When you approach one of those teams, you're kind of feeling them out. What are you looking to do? They may give away their strategy. Hey, I'm tanking for Caleb. That pick could be Caleb. It may not be I'm tanking. It's that pick could be Caleb Williams. Well, yeah, of course it could be. Any pick of the 12 could be Caleb Williams. But realistically, if you're already telling me that when I propose you a trade in May, 
file that away. That gives me some information as to what direction your team is going to head. So let's say I've kind of identified a league where there's already a team or two or maybe three teams that are all thinking they're getting Caleb Williams. They're already moving in the direction of that. Now, they may not be selling their entire squad, but their plan is going to be, if it goes to how they want, to at some point start selling off some assets where they think they're not going to be able to recover any value with the ultimate goal of finishing in the bottom two or the bottom three. Then you're in leagues where you have that going on, but then you also look and, man, there are two or three teams that are just stacked this given league, very specifically. There's two teams, myself and another team, that are pretty much at the top. We have the most overall rank, both in the top three, both in the top three in terms of starters, both in the top two in terms of quarterback rooms. Uh, I have the number one receiver room. He has the number one running back room. We both have top five draft capital rooms. I mean, we both have top five draft capital assets going forward in the future. So each of us have extra picks to play with too. So if I'm a middle of the pack team, I look at that and I say, you know what? It's going to be pretty difficult to crack two teams like that. Then you throw in a third team in this league, which I don't think is as good as mine and the others, but there's another team that is right there. So then you have to make the decision. If I'm the team that's in the frisky range, if I consider myself a fringe playoff team, you can certainly angle your team to say, you know what? If I get into the playoffs, that's fine. But if I don't, that's okay. I'll keep my first round pick, see what happens. Worst case scenario, I miss the playoffs. My pick is in the top five. Cool. I make another run at it. Maybe I make some tweaks during the season, sell to a couple of those contenders when it's clear that I'm not going to be able to beat them, retool, then go for it again next year because I'm going to have a top five pick. But what do you do if you're one of those teams that traded away your future first already? So now you've read your league. There's already the extremes at both ends. And this is what I'm getting at with the show. And this is the example that I wanted to give and keep it broad for a reason. I want people to start thinking this way when it comes to Dynasty. It's not about what should or could happen in a 12-team league. It's about reading the room, figuring out the distribution of assets, and then figuring out what's the best way to go with your roster or where you're at based on what's going on in your individual league. Because I could tell you, hey, this is the best way to build your team. And then you say, you know what? Building my team that way in this league isn't going to work. And here's why. And that's where we talk about being able to zig when everyone else is zagging. Being able to say, you know what? I'm going to go against the grain because my league is so process-oriented. It's going to be really hard for me to go in and say, you know what? I'm going to trade my way back to the roster construction that maybe Scott recommends or the template of how to rebuild the team that many, many others in the dynasty space have gone through. I mean, I know at 40 chess, they've talked a ton about tearing down, tearing off certain assets, uh, leverage trading. I've done many shows on leverage trading. What are the spots where I can get the leverage back, where I can get two pieces for one and really not put myself in any better or worse shape than I did before the trade and I ended up with extra assets. Like there are situations where you go, all of those can be viable strategies, but what if you get in a league where a lot of those things just aren't going to work? Then what do you do? And I get that question a lot. And until somebody tells me all the nuances of their leagues, uh, one of the things we do on Trades in 5 is we do these roster reviews. And that is the most key question. You can give me every detail about your league, how active it is, what the managers are like, where the assets are distributed. You can tell me about your team, uh, the types of trades that go down. Really what I want to know most are what are the biases in your league and what are the tendencies of how everybody else is going to play the board. 
the nuances that are different from league to league are the things that are going to drive a lot of times the strategies. Because I can sit here and say, do this, 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 and this. And a lot of times the reason people are asking for advice or asking for help is maybe they've caught on to some of those ideas, they've tried them, but they haven't worked. And then they go, well, you know what? Should I do this? And without context, my answer might have been, there's no way. There's no way I'm doing that. Then you throw the context in and it's deeper than just, okay, how many starters? What's the format? It's got to go into like, where are the aspects distributed in your league? What will this trade actually accomplish you? You know, can you sell me on, okay, maybe I could say it's not a great trade to make from like a leverage perspective, but you may be able to sell me in this specific league. This could really benefit me. So start thinking about things like that. There isn't a template. There isn't a roadmap or a guide of how to play Dynasty. There are things that we may sit here and say we're experts at trying to figure out, trying to read, using trade calculators, all this kind of stuff. But really the biggest difference from league to league, regardless if they are identical setups, formats, scoring, setting, rules, all that stuff, are the other managers. Where the assets are distributed, the behavior of those players when the assets are distributed like that. So for an example, you may be that team that is in the frisky range, but you may look at the rest of the teams in the frisky range and say, you know what? I'm not going to even be able to beat these teams. There's three or four other teams in the tier with me that are in better shape than me, let alone me being able to challenge the two monster teams at the top, plus that other team that might be in that range. Realistically, I could finish in the top five, but more than likely I'm finishing ninth, 10th. And how do I catch those teams that are clearly tanking? So that's where you probably go, you know what, my optimal trade partners are probably the teams that are in the frisky range with me. Can I find ways to double down and bet against them? Or can I go to the fraud teams and see if we can maybe work something out there? It's how do I get to the extreme? And I think people kind of forget about that. They just kind of follow, they follow players, they follow roster construction, but I've had it happen. I'm a very, very rigid process-oriented player. I will follow the roster construction stuff to a T, But then what happens if, and it's going to happen, it is 100% going to happen. Even if I go in to my dynasty season this year, almost at 100% efficiency, like I talked about a couple episodes ago, right? Getting rid of a lot of the extra tight ends, getting rid of a lot of the roster cloggers. Even if I go into the year and I say, you know what? I'm at max efficiency with what I can control before the season starts. There's going to be a sector of my portfolio of teams that end up right in that middle range. And even I'm still trying to figure out the best way in those leagues, because a lot of times I don't even know what leagues they are until I get there. How do I figure out quickly how to read those leagues, look at the distribution and assets, and then determine, do I really want to attack those two or three top tier teams? Or am I better off kind of not dealing with those teams, letting things play out and looking elsewhere to try to really, really go to the extreme? Because that's really what Dynasty is about, right? is about the extremes. And especially with what I talked about last week, and I've talked about all offseason, the high-end draft picks in these classes are truly what is moving the needle in Dynasty. If you end up with a top two or three pick, I don't even care who's in the class. It's a pretty good bet that if you have a top three, top four pick in a class, you are going to end up with a blue chip player. Now, the market may not always value that player right where they might in a startup draft, But generally, you're going to end up with an asset that people would be willing to take like in the first two rounds of a startup. And that's being conservative. If you hit on the 101 or 102, the last couple of years, you're ending up with a pick that is a top 15 or better startup pick. 
Last three years, you've ended up with multiple 101s, 102s, even 103s this year with Gibbs that end up literally being like a top 18, top 20 startup asset off the rip. And that's the type of asset that turns the team around. But how do you get there? Because I'm starting to find in a lot of leagues, it's hard to get there. It's hard to get to that bottom because there's already two or three teams that have tried to get there ahead of you. They've given up multiple years to try to get there. So I think it's being able to read that room and figure out how to get there the most efficient way and get there the quickest and understand you may have to be a little bit aggressive, but those are going to be the assets that reboot your team. Those are going to be the assets. If you hit on that Caleb Williams from the sixth spot and you somehow can jump into that top two, maybe there's a lottery. I mean, then that goes into a whole new set of strategies that you get into like the Heisman uh, Heroes versus Villains Leagues we're doing. There's 36 teams, right? Any team that doesn't make the playoffs, so 13 through 36, subject to a lottery. Now, it's a weighted lottery, but it's basically 1 through 24 for the non-playoff teams. The best team that doesn't make the playoffs, so essentially 13 out of 36, right? They were just outside the top 12. They get 1 out of 24 ping pong balls in the lottery. The team that's the worst team gets 24. The total number of balls in the lottery pool is 300. So even the worst team only has about an 8% chance of getting the 101. So with a rule like that in place, there really isn't a benefit to value any of those lottery picks outside of they're just the lottery. Until we're two or three weeks to know exactly where they're going to stand, I really wouldn't adjust the values on them at all. And even when I know where they're going to stand, I'm really looking at that worst teams first and I go, yeah, that's like an 8% chance of being the 101. And there's no governor. So it's just a strict lottery. So knowing even how your picks are determined, you can kind of get an idea of how you would angle this. So I think that's the challenging part. It's understanding that the value a lot of times is just being different, going against the grain. When you see everything tilting in one direction in your league, whether that means it's top heavy, whether that means it's really tight to the vest where everyone has a very similarly built team, you want to be the opposite of that. You want to go in a different direction, even if you're wrong. And I speak to portfolio players when I'm saying this. Take advantage of the fact that you have a portfolio. You can pick a couple leagues and go, you know what? This league, it just doesn't make sense for me to build my team this way. It doesn't make sense for me to go in this direction. It doesn't make sense for me to try to accumulate these type of assets because they're already being hoarded at a rate that is way above what I'm probably comfortable with. So let me go the opposite way. Let me actually lean into it. Is there a way I can actually go in the opposite direction? Just because I can already see that seven or eight of the other 12 managers have already committed to going in that one direction. So it's really just being the one that goes the other way, going to the extreme. And that is definitely the case for leagues that are very top heavy, leagues where there's multiple teams that are just trying to get to the bottom as fast as possible. Uh, And then obviously multiple copy leagues. You know, if you're in a 36 team league, that's way different than a 12 team league. You not only have to beat, essentially, because it's three copies, right? You still only have to really beat 12 other teams. You're only going up against 12 teams in terms of player pool assets. But really, you're building against 35 other teams with the entire asset pool being tripled. So you have to go to a little more of extreme to win a 36-team league, a 48-team league. And I like those copy leagues because it accelerates this thinking. If you've ever played in a multiple copy league, you can find yourself, if you just play it close to the vest, you can probably build the 10th best team. Great. 
Because there's going to be more teams that mess it up in a 24 or 36 team league, right? There's going to be three or four teams that just screw it up entirely. So if you just stay close to the vest, you're probably going to be better than those teams. But then how do you beat the teams that have gone to the extreme? Because usually it's the extremes is where you're going to want to be. Even if it totally crashes, great. If it totally crashes, then I'm probably at the way bottom. So I think that's a big thing to think about. Go to your leagues. Go look at where the distribution of the assets are. Go look at where kind of everybody else stands. You may not know specifically because they haven't made any moves. Uh, but strike up some conversations. Send out some trades. The worst you can get is free information from somebody when you send out a deal. They may say, hey, I'm not looking to do that. I'm looking to win now. You know, I'm looking to sell everything. I'm looking to get Caleb Williams. I'm looking to win the title. Whatever it might be, it's free information. Even if they don't take trades from you, you're getting free information from them. And then find out where those extreme points are. Find out what direction you need to go based on where your team is and start trying to find savvy ways to get there. Instead of just saying, well, you know, I want to roster construct this way. Um, I need to make this kind of move, but everyone else in my league is making that kind of move. It's probably not going to work. So it's just a line of thinking. It's thinking essentially in bets, what is the easiest path for the most upside? Or maybe it's the hardest path, but it has the most upside. You know, it's just basic game theory of going to where the expected value could be the highest, where the payoff is the highest. Even if it might be a little bit against the grain in terms of what you want to do or what the data says that you should be doing, uh, sometimes the best strategy is the one that nobody else is employing. So with that, we'll end the show. Appreciate everybody. As always, you can find everything at DestinationDevy at Patreon.com slash AllGas. Dynasty Trades in 5 every Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live on YouTube. Follow Trades in 5. Subscribe. Tune in every single week. A special episode coming this week on Patreon.com slash Dynasty and Chill. Tommy Blair will come on and talk about how to defeat the portfolio player. It'll kind of be a Q&A. I'm just going to listen to him kind of talk through his strategy and maybe ask some questions uh, or counterpoints to what he says. The newsletter, allgas.beehive.com backslash subscribe. Check that out. You get something every single week from everybody at the Destination Devi team. Uh, And then finally, um, maybe Ray will get on me for saying this, but we are launching our new show, which will be on YouTube only. Uh, Probably going to be Sunday nights. Probably going to be starting on Sunday, July 23rd. Um, I'm sure he will reach out to me and correct me if that is not the case, but that is tentatively what we have planned. Uh, You will hear much more on that, uh, how it's going to be distributed, how it'll go out, what it'll look like, all that stuff at a later time. Uh, But we did announce we're going to be starting a YouTube show uh, once a week, just Ray and I, kind of just talking through ball, talking through different strategies, but also through some of the lenses, uh, a lot of the Heisman voice chats uh, that everyone has heard over the years, if you've never been a part of them. Sometimes it's just Ray and I literally in there just talking, and there'll be 15, 20 people in there just listening. So we'll bring that to the airwaves on a YouTube show. Again, tentative start day will be July 23rd, but obviously more details to come uh, before then. So appreciate everybody. Hug your loved ones. Tell them how you feel about them. Uh, Every time you leave them, uh, you never know when it may be the last time, something that's definitely hit home for me uh, this past week. And with that, I will sign off. Be chill.